Ben Silverio. I'm Warwick Johnson. And I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And it's time, time to party! Today's episode about Terminator 2 was recorded on January 7th, 2023. We are not doctors. We don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. What comes next after that bit in the score? That's it. That's all I got. That's the whole score? That's the whole score. No, I mean, it, it, it does the like... There's like a strings part, I think. Yeah, but there's like a... There's like a haunting instrumental part in the middle, I think, um, is the best way that I have to phrase that. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought of the Game of Thrones theme Game at that moment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not too dissimilar. Party people, welcome back for the seminal sci-fi classic T2 Judgment Day. Um, the birth of Finn Balor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not that. Yeah, it's not that Judgment Day. Different. Uh, what, I think uh, what, uh, Edge is in it. What's though, that? I'm getting. Uh, I'm getting. I'm getting. A, I'm getting a note in my ear. Oh, this. It's not. It's not the one with Rhea Ripley. Okay, it's a different Judgment Day. <laughs> I mean, if James Cameron knows what's good for him, he'll put Rhea Ripley in the next Terminator. My edutainment is the WWE faction Judgment Day. <laughs> a brief history. <laughs> A brief history. Because <laughs> they've only been around for like six months. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, even before that, when it was Edge, like that Edge. wasn't even that long ago. Edge, Edge. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but now Dominic Mysterio's been in, in prison, and uh, that changes a man. <laughs> so, Ben, uh, what movie yeah. are we edutaining today? Right. Yes, as usual with our third episode of the month, we like to uh, give back to you, our glorious listeners, by providing you with some edutainment. Just imagine that I'm doing the hand symbol for whatever you think that sounds like, you know? Edutainment. Edutainment. Why you gotta speak with air quotes, huh? Our edutainment episode is where we take an extremely shallow dive uh, into some topic uh, that uh, was inspired by the movie that we watched. Um, We like to call it our lazy river of information because, you know, we're we're not diving in the deep end. We're not not wading into the shallow end. No, we're just sitting in an Uh, air pool drinking beers and peeing in the water. Of history and sometimes going on way longer than we probably should just like a la- just like a lazy river <laughs> just like a lazy river so if you don't know about terminator 2 judgment day uh the james cameron classic uh that's what you say right james cameron mm-hmm. that is james cameronian rings Ooh, Ooh. onion rings you gotta stop talking about food Sorry, before right, i've had dinner because this is <laughs> that's Not great. Um, But our good friends at Rotten Tomatoes give us this information. In this sequel, set 11 years after The Terminator, Mm -hmm. young John Connor, played by Edward Furlong, uh, the key to civilization's victory over a future robot uprising, is the target of the shape-shifting T-1000, Robert Patrick, a Terminator sent from the future to kill him. Mm -hmm. 
Another Terminator, the revamped T-800, Arnold Schwarzenegger, has been sent back to protect the boy as John and his mother, Linda Hamilton, go on the run with the T-800, the boy forms an unexpected bond with the robot. Yes. Mm. If you'd like to hear our thoughts about the movie, you can go ahead and listen to the second episode. Uh, if you'd like to drink and smoke and whatever along while you're watching the movie, you can go back to our first episode. And if you want to hear us talk about the original Terminator movie, uh, you can go back to our very first episode ever, which was January of 2020. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that is that. Is, that's a, that, that's going to be rough to go back. Yeah. Don't you remember, Warwick? You were there. Yeah, I was there for the Terminator. Now, when I remember when we did Terminator 1, we had a spirited discussion about the role of machines in the future. Uh, wait, I don't know what that voice was. That was my Warwick didn't do Terminator 1 episode voice. <laughs> Spoiler, Spoiler alert, alert, Aaron Klein and I <laughs> were the ones who talked about it. But she's not here, so I get all the credit. <laughs> there it is. Um, yes, uh, we had a very, I think we had a very fun discussion about uh, Terminator 2 uh, in last week's episode. So definitely go back and listen to that. But First, yeah. absolutely, watch the movie, play some drinking games along with it. And honestly, even if you just watched it, watch it again. It's great. It's on HBO Max. You don't even have to like go out of your way to do, to watch it. So you should for sure do it. An interesting fact, uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day is the only Terminator movie on HBO Max right now. Yes, which is weird. <laughs> none, none of the other ones are. They don't have that washed dog turd of Terminator Genesis on there, so don't worry. If you need your Jai Courtney fix, you have to go to the Suicide Squad. Or Suicide Squad. Yeah, but who wants to go to that one? No one. At all. No one. Remember when I rewatched it recently and it's still shit? And I laughed in like the middle of it because I was like, I don't want to watch the rest of this movie. <laughs> I just went to bed. <laughs> yes. It's it's bad. It's bad. You know it's not bad Jai- though? Terminator 2, Judgment Correct. Day 2, Tokyo Drift. 2. Um... <laughs> so so Warwick, uh for your edutainment section, were there any other options that you might have gone with? Um there were I mean there were two two other things that I was thinking about. Uh, I had thought about pump action shotguns, but that is something that was covered in the edutainment episode of Terminator One. So please go back and listen to that one. Um so I thought about that, and the other thing that I had thought about uh was um Mercury specifically because it was a liquid metal, which is what the Terminator's based oh, on. So I'd thought about that and the applications of Mercury, and then I decided, no, I, that's I don't want to do that, and so I didn't choose those. <laughs> yeah, uh, I found it difficult to pick an edu- edutainment topic for this movie because it's like if it's not a machine of some kind, uh, it's far beyond my comprehension level. Um, but also the 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 pace at which the movie is going is like keeping you so like focused on what the Connors and the T eight hundred are doing. It's it's hard to it is an know. edge of your ass thrill ride that just does not let up for sure. It's true because I mean like what are you gonna do? Like I thought for a second 
about pool tables. Mm. I had considered shotguns, and then I remembered that I did shotguns already. Yep. <laughs> I was just going to replay the audio from that. Um, you uh, got the canal of from Los Angeles that you can talk about that. Um, I, uh, I almost picked the Terminator... Uh, 3D ride. Yeah, not ride, but attraction. Uh, there's uh, the history of Belize. I guess we could talk. You could talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but uh, I also thought about doing video game cabinets. Mm. Um, arcades. But, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I went a different route, though. What I ended up going with. Um, is such a minuscule part of the movie. Mm. Uh, it's <laughs> such a stretch. Uh, so if you recall, when we meet the Dysons in their home, mm-hmm. um, Miles's son is playing with a remote control car. Ah, that is true. You see the car for a second, it goes off the stairs, and then all of a sudden Linda, Linda Hamilton's trying to kill the whole family. <laughs> um, so it's it's not it doesn't spend a lot of time on screen, but the uh, the remote control car definitely uh, leaves an impact on you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I've decided to go into uh, for my edutainment topic this month. Uh, but hey, fun fact: Did you know that? Remote control airplanes and boats existed before remote control cars. Mm. Um, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, from my very limited research, uh, I learned that uh, the remote control planes mm. uh, were around like as uh as early as the late 1800s ah. uh when they were filled with hydrogen uh and they were used as uh like acts or like filler parts of performances in music halls and i was just like oh interesting the planes were first <laughs> uh and then uh remote control boats came uh into popularity hmm. in 1898. So just... Okay. Uh, yeah. It was interesting that I found an exact year for the boats as opposed to uh, the planes. But I have an exact date for the uh, cars as well. Ah. But first, uh, we, we have been... I don't want to say coming down hard on America. Because, <laughs> you know, we we live here. We we appreciate most of it, right? It does deserve it sometimes, but yes. It's got quirks. <laughs> yeah, and here's a quirk. It's got uh, So, it's got... in the early 1950s, uh, the Win Mac Toy Company produced a cast aluminum uh, gas engine powered indie tether car mm. called the Wen Mac Automite. But uh, by the time the November 19th, 1965 issue of Life magazine came out, 
the Ford Motor Company advertised uh, an exclusive, you know, uh, both of you, that I am a toy collector. An exclusive is a, is, a, is a great thing. So Life Magazine was promoting an exclusive Ford Motor Company um, uh, conversion kit for this Wen Mac Automite. Priced at $4.95. Mm. It, uh, it changed the gas-powered engine to an electric one. And uh, it also had a remote control throttle that could be ordered. Uh, but <laughs> uh, notice that I said remote control and not radio control. Because even though they were kind of advertising this as like a remote control toy, it wasn't because it was attached to a a tether on a on a a, a, a pole, you know. So leave it to America to uh, get your hopes up uh, and then dash them right away. Because in reality, the first remote control cars became available in Europe in 1966. Mm. Um, the first remote control car uh, was nitro-powered, uh, and it was created by the Italian electronics con- uh, company called Electronica Giocattoli. I probably murdered that. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, so this fuel uh, that powered these cars... Uh, they call it nitro, uh, but it was a special blend of nitrogen, methanol, and lubricant. Uh, the fr- right, uh, the first uh, cars to be made into remote control cars were Ferraris and um, Porsches. Uh, no, sorry. Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Mm. They were the first remote control cars. That makes sense. That's fun. And it wasn't until the 70s that uh, these nitro-powered cars uh, were more widely produced as electric cars. Um, That uh, evolution was thanks to a Japanese company called uh, Tamiya. Mm. And their first electric on-road remote control cars uh, because off-road didn't come into play until later um their first on-road rc cars were modeled after uh a porsche the porsche 934 in 1976 and they were at a 112th scale of life size mm. Um, so I mentioned off-road cars and the, uh, the golden era of remote control cars came about, uh, in the 1970s, like late 1970s, uh, 1979 until the early 1980s. Um, at that time, the off-road electric cars, uh, had become the, the preferred, uh, RC car. Uh, 
I I wrote I made note of this because the names are super fun. Uh, the Tamiya Company released the Frog, the Hornet, and the Grasshopper ah. as as the like the regular cars, uh, and the monster truck models were the Blackfoot and the Clodbuster. Awesome! Right before the off road vehicles became uh, where it was at. Uh, in 1979, the first, the world's first 118th scale on-road gas championship, meaning like the first event to, to crown the best remote control on-road racer, was held in Geneva, where Phil Booth won the world championship. And I made note of that because I initially read that as Phil Brooks, and if CM Punk is racing RC cars now after his wrestling career is done, um, that would be funny. <laughs> From what I understand, there were various uh, model kits that you could like upgrade. Uh, and if I if I took in the information correctly, uh, I'm I'm. I'm guessing that they use those kits to like upgrade their cars from the factory models, um, but you know even even if they're just racing these cars as is out of the box, that's still kind of fun that they they had to go all the way to Geneva for a world championship. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting fact that I found um, was <laughs> this is so dumb, I. Cannot believe I I wrote this down as a thing. But, um... (laughs) So, the batteries that power electric remote control cars. Do you want to guess what they tested these metals on to make them work properly? Hmm. Frog muscles. (laughs) What? Yeah. Oh, no. Literally, of all the things to test this shit on, frogs... In the article, in one of the articles that I was reading, this fun fact comes up by itself with no elaboration. It just says the battery was developed by testing metals on frog muscles. <laughs> fun fact. Fun fact. Oh man. <laughs> so back in the day, you know, it was it was more about. It seemed like it was more about having fun with these things because now remote control cars are all about like performance and you know speed and things like that so as as usual things uh get uh you know someone decides to take the fun out of it (laughs) inevitably inevitably (laughs) someone decided to get too serious about it yeah that's true (laughs) it's like that guy who suddenly decided that frisbee needed to be taken up a notch yeah gotta gotta ramp that right up (laughs) But yeah, there's uh, there's a little bit of information about uh, remote control cars for you. Nice. So my edutainment topic is going to be about the Manhattan Project, which created the atomic bomb. Um, the atomic bomb plays a big part in Judgment Day. Uh, Skynet nukes most of the planet, and so I think they wipe out most of humanity as part of that. Um, and we get some very cool... and. Uh, very cool nuclear explosions in it and a nuclear attack or uh, a military official said that it was the most realistic nuclear explosion in any film about Terminator 2. 
the effects of the bomb, I guess, was uh, what what uh, Stan Winston like watched hours and hours of nuclear test footage to try and mimic it. So it must it was it must have been very realistic. Now, of course, Oppenheimer by Christopher Nolan is coming out and it had the I think it has the largest explosion in a film. So that is going to be very interesting to see. So they they made a gigantic explosion for that movie. So we're very curious to see if that passes Terminator 2. Um, but speaking of Oppenheimer, he was a part of the Manhattan Project, which was the project that created the atomic bombs. Um, and this started, there were some scientists that were defectors from Germany that uh, that were they were refugees they fled germany before the nazis took power and they had approached uh, american officials and other american scientists and they said this is a very real thing that can happen they are working on creating a nuclear fission device that they can use uh, as a weapon and so then the idea was that okay well if anyone's going to create this america should do it first that way we're not you know at the mercy of this yeah, behind it. Um, and so uh, they set this up. They arranged a conference between Enrico Fermi and, of the Fermi Lab and uh, the Navy Department in March of 1939. And then that summer, Einstein was persuaded by his fellow scientists to use his influence to present the military potential for the uncontrolled fission chain reaction to FDR. So in 1940, $6,000 was made available to start research under the supervision of the committee. 6000 I know. $6,000 was made available. And most of that 6000 was used to purchase graphite for because graphite is used, um, for anyone who watched Chernobyl, to contain the radiation. Um, and so that's primarily what they used. So that was the original experiments were, were the research for it. They invested $6,000 into it. But after the U.S. entry into World War II, the War Department was given joint responsibility for the project. So by mid-1942, there were uh, they had started turning it out to all these different kind of plants across uh, America. There were a bunch of different places that were working on it. Um, in June of 42, the core, the Engineering Corps of Manhattan District was assigned management of the construction work building the facility, which is where it gets the name, the Manhattan Project. Um, much of the early research was performed at, to Columbia, at Columbia University in New York. Um, so that's why it became the code name for that. So then uh, a little bit of time goes by, and they had worked on specifically uranium-235 was, was what they were going to, to look at for the bomb. Um, that's what they used to create fission. Um, but it cannot be separated from its natural companion, the much more abundant uranium-238 by chemical means. So that was the problem that they were working on. That was this. So they developed an electromagnetic process at the University of California, Berkeley. Um, and then here in Chicago, at the University of Chicago, they developed the, uh, at a metallurgical laboratory that uh, they developed the other method for the production of fissionable material of plutonium-239, which was the other, the other radioactive isotope that they used for the atomic bombs. 
Um, so that was in December of 42, Fermi successfully succeeded in producing and controlling a fission chain reaction here in Chicago. So that's a nice little connection to our uh, to our hometown here. So it's your fault. So it's our fault. Really, it's 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 all of our faults. Um, and then the aforementioned J. Robert Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, J. Robert Oppenheimer um, was uh, stationed at Los Alamos. And that was where they created the vehicle, the actual bomb itself that would detonate and create this explosion. So there were a lot of nuclear tests that were done out there in New Mexico. So there are still parts of the New Mexican desert that are irradiated to this day, which is very fun for people that live out there. Um, and in fact, at one of the first, uh, one of the first successful tests, I think, um, there's the very famous quote where after it, they said, um, the quote was he quoted from the uh, Bagata Vida, where he was mm -hmm. like, I am become death destroyer worlds. Um, and people are like, oh, that's such like a badass line. And it's just like, no, it's he was struggling with the weight of creating something that would kill so many people. Um, Oppenheimer, I think, is a really kind of tragic figure in that way. Uh, the same as the guy who created the Gatling gun. Um, the man who created the Gatling gun killed himself because he had created it because his thought was, oh, you don't need as many people in war because one person can shoot this many bullets. So that's fewer people out there, not realizing that it just meant that you could kill a lot more people and that. Um, and so, yep. And so the, the sweet summer child, the realization of, of the, of his, his his device to help save lives in war, which is going to kill a lot more people. Um, and I think Oppenheimer kind of falls into that same category. Oppenheimer is a very, kind of tragic figure because of that as well um yeah i am i am too the everyone in hollywood is in it uh but i uh, except for the people that are in the barbie movie. right there's the two the two the, the jets and sharks of hollywood right now is oppenheimer and barbie um uh simu liu <laughs> is in the barbie movie so i have to side with barbie that's true i am excited about him in that um so the last thing is the first atomic bomb explosion was july 16th 1945 um i didn't realize that this was that late you know because again the the bombings at hiroshima and nagasaki were in the early fall of 1945 um so the the they had successfully tested it and then the following month they produced the two atomic bombs that were dropped uh in japan and many people credit that with ending the war with actually probably saving some lives um, because the thought is that a protracted invasion of Japan would have cost millions of lives uh, on both sides. Um, but I don't know. It's I think that that's I think atomic weapons are so interesting in that sense because it was such a. It was such a devastating thing. And the reason why Tokyo wasn't chosen as a bombing site is because one of the generals in charge had his honeymoon there and was like, I can't blow up Tokyo because my wife will never forgive me because he's attached to it. Yeah. Isn't that, I mean, that is one of those just weird things about history. And so they chose, uh, I think, 
I think Nagasaki was always going to be on the list because it was a major production hub for uh, the Japanese war machine. So I think that they chose Hiroshima then was like the third on the list. And so they just moved down from there. But yeah, so that is the horrible history of the atomic weapon. I hope that there is never an atomic bomb that's used on anyone. (laughs) Particularly not if it starts Judgment Day when the machines take over. Never again, machines. Yep. There's a lot of really, I think the history from, like particularly like there's so many things in World War II, like the V-2 rockets that eventually caused, like allowed us to go to space. There's so many things like that. These 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 big leaps that came out of this horrible time that so many with so much death. Um, you know, the atomic age, the advancements in you know energy production. Like there was a time before Three Mile Island where the thought was that we'd have all these nuclear reactors and we wouldn't be so reliant on fossil fuels. And of course, that didn't happen. You know, but that was the thought then. Like you see it a lot in any 50s look into the future is the idea that everything was going to be atomic power, that atomic energy was the way to the future. That would be amazing. I mean, I think we've made, I think there were already some huge advancements made, but even before last year. So yeah, um, in the past year, I think there, we've seen a lot of positive progression towards like an actual fusion reactor. I was going to reference, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales because, uh, energy, uh sustainable energy is a big part of that game's plot ah. but then i'm like no that's not real history that's not what, that's not what we're talking about right now new form is not a real thing but i guess that's a good note to go out on right i, I hope uh i hope you party people enjoyed our month-long look at terminator 2 judgment day uh we certainly enjoyed talking about it uh hopefully you could tell by these glorious episodes that we've given to your podcatcher mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean Had a lot of fun <laughs> terminator 2 is a bit is a great film um and i always think that it's it's more fun to rag on bad films however it is good to be able to just be like this is a really good time travel film um that has strict rules of time travel that it follows for the most part Um, and I think that that makes it, I think Cameron pays a lot of attention to that stuff and it makes it work well. So that's my two cents. I don't know. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longett of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. This has been an Indecisionist production. Head on over to indecisionist.com slash time to party. That's time the number two party for more episodes, show notes, and transcripts for season three. Yeah, so you can find us on the internet. I'm at bsilverio20 on Instagram, Twitter, and Hive. I'm at Warwick underscore Johnson on Twitter. I am at Indecisionist on Twitter and at The Indecisionist on Instagram. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can use the hashtag Time2Party. That is Time the Number 2 Party. Or you can find us on Tout at Time the Number 2 Party. So be sure to tout us as much as you can. <laughs> you can find us at Time2Party. That's party like the drink tea. <laughs> you can uh, find our Asian Avenue profile. Follow me on OnlyFans. No, I'm um, not yet. 
All right, uh, party people, while you're trying to figure out your dating profile and what app to use, we'd like to remind you to be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Hasta la vista. Right. Don't, 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 don't.